Thank you for listening to the Revivify Church podcast. We hope this week's message inspires you and speaks to you from wherever you're listening. Ready for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this house. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If you would, I've got a few scriptures here I want to read. We'll get through it very quickly, but I want you to stand in honor of the word. I can keep this thing tilted just right without falling off or breaking. I want you to turn to the book of Acts. We're going to start Acts chapter 1, and we'll start reading verse 1, then we'll go to Acts 2, and then um, we'll finish up there, a few verses there. Acts chapter 1 and verse 1, I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. It says this, In the first book, O Theopolis, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Notice that he says, I have dealt with. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Man, there's so much there. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Everyone said wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Verse 8, here it comes. Basically saying, guys, just, just quit for a minute, stop. But you will receive power, everyone say power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now Acts chapter 2 verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire, everyone say fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And let's go down to verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, everyone say promise, is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And watch this. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Why don't you turn to a couple of your neighbors there, left and right, front, back, ask them this. Are you a fireman or a fire starter?
So the day of Pentecost, as just described in Acts, was originally called the Feast of Weeks or Festival of Weeks. And another term to describe it or phrase was the day of first fruits, among other things. Uh, Regardless, this was a celebration seven weeks in one day after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, or as it is today, 50 days after Easter. All of which is a reminder of the coming out of Egypt, which Egypt, if you don't know this, biblically speaking, it is a type and shadow of the world, a type of shadow of coming out of the world. Israel's exodus out of Egypt is the same or the type and shadow of our exodus out of this world into a relationship with God. And it for now, for the Christian church, actually the uh, Pentecost or the day of Pentecost or what we would call Pentecost today, is it commemorates the original outpouring of the Holy Spirit on those in the upper room. And today, I I believe that as a church, we are living in some of the most exciting times that has ever been, Uh, at least for me. I, I, I don't know when I have ever been more confident and more sure of anything in my entire life. I believe there is a revival coming to the church that the church has never, never yet experienced in its history. I believe that people's lives are getting ready to be transformed and turned around like we have never seen or heard of in times past heretofore. And I'm going to tell you, Joel chapter 2 and verse 28, it says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Now, I don't like this next verse because I dream a lot lately, but your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days will I pour out my spirit and I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone, say everyone, who calls on the name of the Lord might be saved. You don't know your word shall be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, just just uh, disclaimer, over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking a lot about this, and we're going to go into the gifts of the Spirit, and I may kind of transfer from preaching to teaching and back and forth, and I may do both at one time. I don't know what we'll call it. Maybe we'll call it uh, treaching before we get through, but just know that I'll go back and forth. Now, our country obviously is in a mess right now. We've got such a political atmosphere that it's just absolutely tiring, and it makes you weary to hear the, the noise and, the, and, and, and this one fighting this one and this one saying something against this one. And, and what we thought we had the race thing over with, actually, we're not over with that yet. We still got folks still doing the same thing that they've always done. And guess what? You get focused on that stuff and you start to lose perspective of what the kingdom really is all about. And so for those of us who are stirred up over politics of our country, what I said a few weeks ago, if you'll remember, you got your eyes on the wrong thing. Now, in all of this, some have the opinion that the church is absolutely messed up as it ever was. And you might be right because you're here. 
because I'm here. We are messed up. But newsflash, the church being messed up is not a new thing. Watch this. Pastor Tony Suarez said this in a message he preached earlier this year, and, it, and when I was putting this together, I had to use it. So thank you, Pastor Tony Suarez, wherever you might be today in the church. Acts chapter 1, it says that the disciples, watch this, are supposed to wait on the Holy Spirit. Their command was to wait. But then right off the bat, they got leadership problems, and they nom nominate a man to be a leader named Matthias, and he gets nominated, and you never hear from him again. What kind of leader is he? Sorry, sir. Then Acts 2, the Holy Spirit's poured out and the church is mocked. And a bunch of drunk folk. So right off the bat, the church has PR problems. Acts 3, a layman is at the church and he asks for help. And Peter says, silver and gold, have we none? Right from the start, the church was broke. Acts 4, Peter and John preached the, that day in the city and they're jailed for it. Now they got legal problems. Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira lied to the elders of the church about the gift they gave to the church and they die right there on the spot. Could you imagine showing up today saying, folk, come on, give us the tithe, give us the offering. Don't you lie to God because you will die. Could you imagine? That's crazy, isn't it? But it happened. Acts 6, the church begins to grow so much that they start complaining and grumbling and gossiping about each other because some got more than others. Acts 7, one of their leaders is killed. Acts 8, Simon the sorcerer sees a display of hands on people and the Holy Spirit falls as a result and now he wants to pay for the power. So now the church has got corruption inside. Acts 9, Saul, who would become Paul, is converted by Jesus himself, but the district board of the church didn't want him to be a preacher. Now the church is full of legalism. Acts 10, Peter is told, you need to go to the Jews and, or, or leave the Jews and go preach to the Gentiles. And Peter says, I don't want to preach to those people. Now we got racist in the church. Acts 20, Paul is preaching so long that the millennials are bored stiff and one of them falls asleep and falls out the window and dies. He got raised up, by the way. Acts 27, there's a shipwreck. Acts 28, Paul gets bitten by a snake and dear God, now we got snakes in the church. Makes no sense, does it? So just in case you think that the church is any worse today than it was then, you got to think about some of these things. And this is the church, now watch this, this is the church we inherited and we are supposed to continue on with today. So what's the difference in the church then than the church now? Let's talk about it. Chapter 1, there was a promise. Chapter 2, there was an outpouring. Chapter 3, there was a healing. Chapter 4, there was mass salvation. Chapter 5, there was deliverance. Chapter 6, there was miracles abound. There was chapter 8, there was not there was another outpouring. Chapter 9, God saves the biggest enemy of the church from Saul to Paul. Chapter 10 and 11, racism is counteracted by the inclusion of the Gentiles. Chapters 18, 12 through 18, miracles, deliverance, signs, wonders, salvation. Chapter 19, the disciples of John the, oh, the Baptist are now included. They receive the Spirit. And oh, come on. Just know that every piece of drama there was, there was a move of God to counteract the 
drama and the problems of the church. So how is the church supposed to move forward? How is the church supposed to survive all of these years with all of this mess? Zechariah said it best, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. There's the big difference. You see, too many of us have experienced the moment of salvation. We started the journey of salvation, but we stopped there. We don't want to go any further. You see, but verse 5 of Acts 1 says, John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What? Yeah, there's more. So what we have now are a bunch of Christians walking around with no power. Are y'all with me? Y'all checking out on me now? Come on, don't do that. I spent a lot of time on this. Saved, but no power. Saved, but no unction to be a witness. Saved, yes, but no fire to do anything. Christians with no fire. Luke chapter 3, verse 15. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Come on, somebody. Uh, yes, I'm baptizing you. Yes, you're being saved here. But there's more. And the thing that we're missing more of in the church than ever before is a moving of the Holy Spirit with fire. Come on, somebody. This world is tired of boring Christians dead, twice fucked up by the roots church. Come on, we need to get on fire for living, in, for living for God. We need to pour ourselves into this thing. Second Timothy 3, verse 1, But understand this, in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. How many, does that sound, how many of you use that sound like the world? Does that sound like the world to you? That was a trick question because that's not who he's talking about. He was talking about the church. Watch. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such What's he saying? There were people who were in the church 
but not baptized by the Holy Spirit and fire in the church. They were completely wrong. They talked about a good a good fight. They talked about a good thing, but they had yet experienced the power that they should have been endued with from on high. Watch this. If there's ever a time that the church needs an outpouring, it's right now. Come on. We don't need another program. We don't need another music band. We don't need more lights. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Well, I don't know about all this Holy Spirit talk. Well, if it was good enough to launch the church, then it's good enough to keep the church. Now watch this. So what am I saying? According to Timothy there, we have Christians living beneath their privilege. Well, pastor, you're saying if I don't go around talking in tongues, I'm not saved? Nope, didn't say that. Didn't say that. But you're living beneath your privilege. Every person on the sound of my voice can experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit right now. It's the question is how many actually want to. You see, God is a gentleman. He's not going to force anything on you. If you don't want it, you don't get it. But if you want it, you can have all of it. Now watch this. The first thing he tells the disciples is, is to wait. And to many of us, we don't want to wait on anything. We are the J.G. Wetworth generation. It's my money and I want it now. I want it now. And you think that you have the answer and you know what's next. But let me say this, and the Lord spoke to this to me just a little bit ago while I was in here. I had to rewrite some notes. Thank God for technology and Apple because they know how to transfer everything to wherever I'm at to the thing I need to talk to, talk about. But what's this? Months ago, months ago, I made the statement about our prayer and what we were going after and what we were doing. And I told you from the very beginning, from the very first week, I felt, I, I, I saw the 120. That's the number I saw in my mind. And I couldn't understand. And I told you right then, I was honest with you, I don't understand it. I don't know why God said 120. I, I can't figure it out. I went and I looked up all kinds of things about 120, and there was all kinds of symbols. You know, I even told some of you, said, y'all pray. Man, tell me, if y'all get something, tell me, because I got to know what this 120 thing is. And I'm here to tell you, it has been Weeks and weeks and weeks since June, I, I still I still didn't know. I, I hadn't figured it out. I, I heard a lot of good explanations. I read a lot of good material on it, and I said, "God, this is not making sense. It just doesn't feel right." So, what is this one? 20. And today, the Lord spoke to me. He said, I told you the 120 because as I told them to wait at the, for the day of Pentecost, when I told them to tarry and wait for the outpouring of my spirit, I've told you to wait for the outpouring that I have for Revival 5. Now, I know some of you are waiting for me to tell you the exact day that it's going to happen, but he never said the exact day then, and he hasn't said it now. All he said is you keep praying, you keep pushing, you keep driving. Don't you let down. Don't you let up, because I'm getting ready to take Revivify to a revival of fire with an outpouring of my spirit. Now, here's what's really wild. 500 people heard 
Jesus say, go wait. 380 did not. 120 were left. They waited. You see, since then, I've had to deal with people that think they know what's next for our church. When all they actually needed to do was to shut up and wait. Because just like those people, the 500 dwindled down to 120. Our 100, 120 has dwindled down to about 60 on Tuesday nights. Same thing. And at one point, I was kind of getting discouraged about it. And I said, God, I, I don't understand this. I, I don't get this. And God said, shut up and wait. Okay, God. Come on. Why? Because in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So because we're not waiting on God, we're walking without power. We think it's another program. We think it's another design. We think it's another church. We think it's another event. No, we got to wait on God and be ready when he says, here I come. This is what happens when you and I don't wait and therefore we don't walk in power. When we're not operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, you get offended easily. You don't mind missing church. You start thinking that church really isn't necessary, that there's a better option or better way. You don't mind using God's tithe money on your own living. And you get spiritually retaliatory. You start trying to judge others for what you perceive is their mistakes. And you won't come to prayer because you don't believe you need it or you have a better way or you've got some other option that is actually superior to that of what the church is doing. Boy, getting quiet up in here. Y'all don't like me right now, do you? That's all right, get in line, take a number. What's this? You start prioritizing education for your kids over God encounters for them. You will find what is convenient living for God so you don't have to sacrifice too much. Gentlemen, listen up. Don't tell her. But the wife starts getting annoyed when you're not living in the way because it takes the Holy Spirit to be able to live with her. Not you, babe. You, you twin with the Holy Spirit. You and I, we must, we're good. We write. When I need an answer from God, there's two people I go to, the Holy Spirit and my wife. Make up, I'm all right. And wise, we know this for a fact. Your man gets annoying. He stays annoying when you're not operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we start finding ourselves with all kinds of temptations that God delivered us, delivered from us last year and last month and last week. They start coming back with a vengeance and we fall all over again. 
time and time and time again. But why do we need the outpouring of the Spirit? Pastor, why are you saying this is the direction that we need to go? Here is why. Because fire is a purifier. 1 Peter 1, 7 states that our faith becomes more precious than gold once it is tried by fire. 1 Corinthians 3, 13 says that every man's work will be revealed by fire. Fire. So fire is a purifier. And if you want to be pure, if you want to be powerful, then let God baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Oh, come on, somebody. It's time to get drunk once again on the Holy Spirit. It's time to let God have his way. Oh, man. I don't feel like y'all got this yet. I'm almost out of notes. Listen. How many's tired of cancer getting a hold of us? How many's tired of disease taking over our bodies? A month ago, three different women couldn't eat because every time they swallowed, they choke. Three different women, same exact thing. Oh, that's just coincidence. Man, what rock are you living underneath? No, that's a spiritual attack. Here's what's funny. So far, two out of those three have both been diagnosed with, with that skin cancer, melanoma. Is that right? Is that what they call it? And, they've, and they're having to have procedures to have it dug out of their bodies. That's no, just coincidence. Really? And so we start freaking out. It's about this and it's about that. No, 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 it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing. You say, well, I don't understand. I don't know. Go back to Corinthians when it talks about communion. In the communion, it says, we gotta be careful that we don't take communion in an unworthy manner because when we do, we bring judgment down on our bodies. He said, and because you're taking the communion unworthily, it says in the King James Version, meaning not worthy, it actually goes so far to say, that is why many of you are weak, sick, and dead. Now, that is not popular preaching. You, don't ever, you won't hear that anywhere else in Augusta today. I can guarantee you. Nobody preaching about communion right now. And when they do, they just say, y'all come and y'all nastiness and drink anyway. It don't matter. The scripture is opposite of that. You know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of praying for people and not seeing the miracle. And I want you to understand, just so you understand, I'm, in, I'm indicted too. Because there's many people I pray for. There's a time I wouldn't even go to the hospital because when I went and prayed for someone in the hospital, they died, they did, they're gone. They, two days later, they died. I don't know. It got to the point where I had no way I was going to the hospital to pray for anybody. You think I'm kidding? I went. I'll send everybody else. See, I'll go. I, I touch folk. They die. You th- I, it scared me to death. I didn't understand it. It was for years. It was like that. And I started asking God, what, what's going on with the church? Why are we not seeing the miracles that we used to see, the prevalent things uh, when we pray things actually happen? Because Scripture is very clear. It says, where two or three of you are gathered in my name, if you'll agree on touch any one thing, there I'm in the midst. And guess what? If you pray about it, I'm going to do it. Where, where, where's, the, where's the verse of Scripture that says, well, if God wants it? He said He wants it. But the problem is the church is living straddling the fence between the world and being filled with the Holy Spirit, and we're losing our power on a daily basis. Come on, church. I don't want to be the run-of-the-mill church, but I want to be a church with power.
just doesn't, ex- doesn't excite you. That, that doesn't excite you to think about every time we pray for someone, miracles begin to happen. Oh, you're just seeking signs. No, I'm not. I'm seeking the will of God. I want to have power. I want the fire of the Holy Spirit in me and on me. That was the devil running away from church. Come on. You want to set the enemy a run? Get baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. Oh, man. I think we'll end on that note. Y'all stand. Come on. I cannot remember where this originated. So whoever said this first, I give you Facebook credit. I pray that I can repeat this with accuracy from as far as I remember it. I think I've mentioned this many times before, but... Several years ago, the foresters noticed a decline in the great sequoia trees in the northwestern part of our country. These trees can grow hundreds of feet tall and have a diameter large enough to, to actually put a... Uh, one of them they found actually can, you can put a two-lane road through it. And they actually cut one right through it, or at least a, a lane of road anyway. And Do we have that picture? Do we have that picture available? No? Oh, Wow. Look at the size of that. And those, now, those are two little little ankle biters right there, so that's, it's not a very good perspective. But what about this next one? That's a full-grown man back there, by the way. It's pretty intense, isn't it? They're, they're, if you've never seen the trees, you've got to take a trip, not on Sunday, but, you know, Monday through Saturday, and go, go see it. They're, they're pretty intense. They're pretty incredible. So amazing the mighty trees, but they're they're declining. And at first they thought that the wildfires were killing them off little by little, but they found that not to be true. And then maybe global warming was the issue, but then they, they too said, no, that's not the issue. And, and then almost by accident they discovered it. And what they found was that over the past many decades, we in America have become increasingly savvy at controlling wildfires throughout our country. <clears throat> For the most part, most fires don't get too far out of control. We're just so quick to to put them out because we know we have this great knowledge in how to combat them and how to deal with them. We've got these planes that will come in and dive over the top of the mountains and spray water and fire retardant. We've got these helicopters that look like giant mosquitoes, you know, that reach down into a pond and suck the water out. In fact, it was last week. I think we were in California a week before. I don't remember, but... It, they, it was unreal. As soon as we got out there, they, they hadn't had a fire this, you know, I think this year. And then all of a sudden we get out there and there's fires everywhere around the hotel. And I'm like, well, this is awesome, you know. And But then Jeremy and I and, and one of our cousins, we decided to go get all up in it. So we drove to the fire. Not the smartest move we made all of our lives. <clears throat> but we did it. We had a good time until the fire retardant nearly dropped on our vehicle. And then we decided it was best to leave. And then when the sheriff came, it, it got weird. And so, anyway, <clears throat> I won't tell you too much about that part of it, but um, I'm just kidding. We're not in the jail report. We're, we're good. 
And so they found that because we've gotten so good at putting out fires, therein lies the problem. See, the great sequoia tree, in order for it, its seedlings to mature and grow into the potential it has within its DNA, it must experience heat that only fire can bring. And because we're so quick to put out these fires, we are actually destroying these amazing monarchs. And so I wonder, has the church gotten better at creating firemen instead of fire starters? You see, for some of you, you come up in a denomination that told you the Holy Spirit doesn't fall anymore. It doesn't get poured out anymore. So you're quick to put out anything that remotely looks like it. For some of you, you've experienced the abuse of the spiritual gifts that is given through the Holy Spirit. And so anything that remotely looks like it, you're quick to bring out your fireman's gear and you put out anything that remotely looks like it. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? one of my biggest angsts if you will if I can say that one of my biggest frustrations one of my biggest moments of anxiety and pastoring is to preach year after year after year after year and see someone continue to return to the vomit in which God brought them out of year after year after year after year it hurts it's frustrating I've asked many times, Neil, what's wrong with me? Am I not preaching right? Am I, am I missing something? Am I, am I not doing this right? Because I've seen those people just continue to fall right back into the same mess. They come to an altar and they pray through, it seems, and then they walk out and they say, you know, you're, you're seeing stuff on Instagram and Facebook and, and, and God knows I got to get off those things. Them things drive me nuts. post a meme with 15 different cuss words in it. has been called to do in our city 
we must be baptized by the Holy Spirit and fire. We have to. We absolutely have to. And just in case you were wondering where all this is coming from, I just want you to, I want to tell you something. This is coming from God. I didn't know this. But a week or two ago, the youth were going to do a service. I didn't know that. I mean, I knew it when it happened and after it happened. But they were doing a service, and guess what it was all about? The outpouring of the Spirit and fire. And I told him, I said, I'm getting ready to preach about that. So what's God doing? What's he saying to the church? It's time to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit afresh and anew. If you never have, you can. If you have, you can again. In fact, I would encourage you, as Paul did, to receive it every chance you get. To experience it every chance you get. And so over the next coming weeks, I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to share about it. We're going to go deep dive into this. And I'm going to tell you right now, for the record, we are a church that still believes in the fire of the Holy Spirit. We are still a church that believes in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We are still a church that believes in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We are still a church that believes in tongues and the power it can have in our walk with God. It's time to let the Spirit We hope you enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like to know more, please visit www.revivify.church.